Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Lauren. All right, good evening. Was that not a blessing, folks? All these, I'm telling you. Um, thank you, brothers and sisters, for doing that for us every week. We so appreciate it. You bless us, and, and thank you for putting all the effort in and the time. We, we, I'm so grateful for you, and you've done it with us for many years now, and I'm grateful that we've been able to share doing this ministry together. So Philippians is where we are tonight. Good to see all of you who are here and those of you who are uh, joining us online. I know that we've had some... Uh, I appreciate Ricky Chapel. By the way, Ricky Chapel, we should say thank you to Ricky every week. Ricky, Ricky's got this thing set up, and so last week I know some of you sent me the word that we, you couldn't see it, it wouldn't work, and so it wasn't Ricky's fault. We, just, we do everything we can, but sometimes it just doesn't uh, work for us. But uh, those of you who watch us, we're glad you do, and we're honored to have you. We miss you, but we're glad you're with, well, you're with us in spirit and in truth. First, let's pray together, and then we'll uh, talk about a few matters, and then we'll go to right to the Word of God. Let's uh, begin tonight by... Again, just as um, the ladies led us, uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. We come before your presence, Heavenly Father. We come before your presence and we ask that you'd forgive us of our sins. And we thank you for the joy of salvation in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. What a victory it is for us to have, uh, to have salvation, forgiveness, and to be new people in Christ. We thank you for the blessing of salvation. We thank you for praise and we thank you for your word. As David said, it is his counselor. It is our counselor. The word of God living alive, speaking to us even tonight. We thank you for the ministry of Paul the Apostle as we read Philippians. Again, in these many years since he wrote it in prison, and still speaks to us because it is your very word to us as your church today. So Lord, right now we pause to pray for that one person. Uh, we, we seek to do this every week. We do it all the time, but we do it together. Now we pray for that one person you've put on our heart today that is burdened or needs encouragement, needs to be saved, someone perhaps we've talked to who's in despair or who needs to repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for our friends who are watching us tonight who cannot be with us in all kinds of conditions. May you bless them wonderfully and may they sense your Holy Spirit presence with them. And So whatever you must do among these that are on our hearts, we pray that you would do it. We pray that you'd be pleased with the ministry life of this church and all the Things that go on here on Wednesday night, we thank you for the boys and girls studying the Word of God, memorizing, learning God's Word. We thank you for the teachers. thank you for the other adult classes that study the Word of God tonight. We for our choir as they seek to prepare to minister all that we do. We thank you for the blessing we have in this place to do it together. We ask that you would help us to fulfill exactly what you want us to do in Dixon County in this part of the world. Reveal to us as a church what it is is our purpose. May we be about it with all of our heart. So now, Lord, we ask that you would, as uh, the psalmist said, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things out of your law. 
So open our eyes to the Word of God. Holy Spirit of God, be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you find your place in uh, Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll be going. Uh, one thing I wanted to give you an announcement, I'm going to start to mention this to, uh, um, to the church. <clears throat> and uh, so we're going to be working on this. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I, I know that, um, well, just to, to say, on June 2nd, we, on every Wednesday, Lord willing, as time goes by, as the Lord allows, uh, I plan to, uh, at noon, every Wednesday, from 12 to 12.30, it will be very brief, uh, I'm planning on um, uh, doing what now I've learned is called live streaming. I'm going to teach God's Word for 30 minutes at lunchtime on Wednesdays. Uh, it's not live here. It's live on our on our on Facebook and also on um, YouTube uh, on our channels. I guess they're called whatever they're called. So anyway, that's what it is. That's, I don't. I'm, my the headlights have now run out. I have no idea whatever else that is. That's what I've been told to say. I've written it down. So all I know is that I, I'm excited because it gives me a chance to teach God's word. Perhaps to some of your friends and other people you know who might join us at lunchtime, just for 30 minutes, it's quick. Uh, I'll, I'm going to cover just one item at a time. I think it'll be very encouraging. It also gives you a chance to uh, say to some of your friends, look, you know, uh, this, this Pastor Mike, this is what he does, this is who he is. You know, maybe they don't live here. We have, we have people who uh, join us from lots of places. So I say that to you because I am uh, burdened that I want to extend... Another, uh, because I'm trying to learn from the, uh, 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 the bad that we've been through, we've so connected ourselves to so many people, we get a lot of feedback from people, and many of our other people cannot come on Wednesday nights, and they're pre prevented because of work and other schedules. Anyway, you see the idea. It's another chance to do it. It's not in detail like we do uh, on uh, Sundays and on Wednesday nights. Uh, but it is a chance. So if you, uh, you'll be hearing me talk about uh, time in God's Word uh, every Wednesday, 12 to 12.30, and you can tune in either to uh, Facebook, church fa Facebook page or to the church YouTube page. And uh, I know some people in here are, are pretty influential, so why don't you use your influence to help people tune in? How's that? They can go to it. Right. So it'll go to wherever Ricky and them send it. It'll go to this special place. And it shows up there magically. So it will be there. Yes. Another place. An electronic place. In clouds or wherever it goes to whatever those things are. Uh, but it will be a little bit different than you're used to me doing. But I, I'm, I'm excited about doing it. I think it's another opportunity for us to... Uh, share the gospel. You know, maybe you have a friend and it'll be an encouragement to them. Now tonight, let's get to the real matter at hand and that is the Word of God. So what did Paul say to uh, the church before we read in... Uh, well, let's read what we're going to look at tonight and then we'll come back to it. So these verses are very familiar. Philippians 2, Paul's been talking about having the attitude of humility of Jesus Christ. Let me just go back to verse 5. Uh, 2, 5. Famous verses. Have this attitude in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in 
likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, uh, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, so he's drawing a conclusion now. Uh, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as, in my, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. For you too, I, I urge, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. So what had Paul said back in chapter 1? That one uh, very important truth that we looked at, verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brethren, talking, remember he's in jail. He's in jail. I want you to know that my circumstances, or you could read it, I want you to know, verse 12, chapter 1, 12, my, my jail, my imprisonment has turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. And we talked about at length how your circumstances, where you are, what you're going through, where you work, what you do, who you are, turns out to be for the good of the gospel. If you're saved, God intends for you to share the gospel. It's for all of us to do, not just preachers and missionaries. Uh, it is the intent and purpose of God to save us so that we share the gospel. And uh, this is what we're seeking to say uh, to the church, and this is what Paul's saying again to them. So he says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ, verse 13, uh, has become well known throughout all the guard, the Roman guard, and everyone else. And so uh, the point is, I'm preaching, and some are preaching for wrong motives, but they're preaching Christ. So the good news is, Christ is being preached. So now he's come back after talking about humility. Last week we talked about putting on the white apron. Do some of you remember what that is? Oh, how that stirred some of you up. You were worried about that. Did I really tell you the truth from God's Word about a white apron? Yes. Yes, we were looking at the humility of Jesus Christ, but we quoted from 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 at the end last week, and I'll just read it to you again. <clears throat> Younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. This is 1 Peter 5.5. 5. And all of you, Peter says, 1 Peter 5.5, 5, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. In other words, uh, he uses a phrase that was well known to the ancient world, uh, slaves wore an apron, a white apron. They put on the white apron, tied it to their clothes so that people would know these are slaves. These are not free men and women. So you put on, humility is putting on the white apron. You clothe yourself with humility. I hope that you've thought about that. That's the way we're to live our life as believers. Clothe yourself with humility. 
What do you do? Let's go back. Chapter 2. Look at the earlier verses in this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. That's the opposite of humility. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. That's an act of humility. It's an attitude of humility. You're more important than me. Your priorities and needs are more important than mine. So again, this is that Paul spent all of this time elaborating on what it looks like to be humble. And do not merely look out for your own interests. This is chapter 2, verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in you, which was in Christ. Now he comes down to talk about these famous things that we look at tonight. And, And the focus of what I want to talk about is this. Live out their salvation as God works in them. This is really the big idea of what Peter, excuse me, what Paul is trying to say in this section. Its verses in Philippians are very well known, and looking around in here, a lot of you have memorized them. Uh, you know, I can, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Uh, chapter 1, 21, uh, we looked at in detail Philippians 1, uh, 6. I'm confident of this thing. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, we've, we've looked, and we'll look at some others that are famous as we go along. Um, we saw in chapter 1, verse 27, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So he's talking about the church living out the gospel in their daily life. My circumstances have turned out for the progress of the gospel. Chapter 1, 27. Christians, I'm, so, I'm talking to this church, I'm talking to myself. We must, who are saved, enter worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live like the Lord who saved you, saved you. Live in a way that demonstrates you have been saved from your sin. That, that's, the, that's his emphasis here, and he continues to build on this. So now he comes to this very important section and says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, there is an element here that has to do with, uh, with uh, working to grow in Christ and to develop my relationship with God. Yes, I am to. As God works in me spiritually by the Holy Spirit and makes me more holy, I'm to pray, I'm to, I'm to practice spiritual exercises, but actually this, uh, this is a very, very important word. It's, it reads a little bit different. We don't always think about it this way. So I want you to think about what he's saying here by giving you some of these. I'm, I'm giving this group on Wednesday nights a little bit more uh, from, from, your, from the Greek text. I'm going to give you some of the words in a little bit more detail uh, so that you might see and have a little bit more insight into how this all builds together. So it is work out your salvation. And then by the end, he says, hold fast the word of life. Hold out the word of life so that in the day of Christ... Uh, he will have something to glory about in his ministry. So number one, uh, we see this, uh, this important truth. There's nine of them here I want to emphasize uh, for my time, and I've, I think I can do it here. First of all, you and I have a responsibility. Number one, it is the responsibility of believers to live out their salvation. Notice he says, just as you have always obeyed, uh, we obey because Jesus Christ obeyed God. Did you catch that back up in your Bible there in chapter 2, verse 8? He was, the Lord Jesus humbled Himself, and what did He do? He, he became obedient. 
to the point of death. There must be in my life a desire, a commitment to obey God. To obey God. So if I say that I walk with Jesus Christ, it means, as we read in various places, we obey His Word. We keep His Word. We do what He says. We, so it means that I've got to spend time in God's Word so that I understand what it is that God wants me to do. Uh, you know, I can't just sit down and pray say, well, God, tell me what to do. And the Lord says, well, I've, I've told you it's in the Word of God. You know, maybe you ought to pick up your Bible and read it. Maybe you ought to study God's Word so that you know what I want you to do. I cannot be an obedient Christian if I'm not, an, if I'm not a reading, understanding believer. If I know what God's Word says to do and I don't do it, Paul says it's sin. So he starts with this emphasis on obedience. I'm asking all of you tonight. I've already uh, had to do my own. You, know, you can't ever preach or speak to other people if you haven't done your own self-evaluation. So I've really tried to work through these questions. I'm asking you tonight, are you living in obedience to Jesus Christ? I'm talking about today, right now. Are you living in obedience to Him? Are you living in obedience in the way God has designed for you to live in your marriage? Are you living in obedience to God in the way He's called for you to live and do your work? Uh, to, to care for others, to build your friendships, to treat your children and your grandchildren. Pick whatever you want. Are you living in obedience? Are you willing to say, I will do anything you want me to do, go anywhere you want me to go, to do what you want me to do? The Lord Jesus, uh, it, we, we've talked about this um, many, many times, but how did the Lord obey? How did the Lord Jesus obey God? Well, He only went where the Lord told Him to go. He only said what God wanted Him to say. And He only did what God wanted Him to do. And we're looking at that in John. We're seeing that in John. You know, I don't do anything on my own initiative, the Lord says. I've come, I've, come, I've been sent by God. I am the eternally begotten Son of God. And I've come to this world and I don't do my own agenda. I do the agenda of God. I obey God. So He demonstrates for us obedience. So we work out our salvation. Now I give you your first Greek word. You can all go to Greek class with me tonight. Katergizomai. That's the word. And it's an interesting word because it means to do that from which something results. So you're working out something. You're doing something. I use the phrase, live out. That's what, that's what katergizomai is. It's to live out. It's what's produced. It is, it is that that comes, it's the result of something that's happened to you. Your salvation, you've got to live it out. That's what he's saying here. Live out your salvation. So tonight, that's what we're going to focus on. Living out your salvation. I'm asking you tonight, what are you living for? What are you living for? I repeat my old uh, mentor friend, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, the old preacher. Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? That's an important question. Am I living for things that are worth the death of Christ? Well, when I look at all these toys and all these things and all these piddly things I'm involved in, the answer in my life has been many times, no. Far short. Far short. So this whole idea is to do something, to live out your salvation and to show by your life what it means, what's happened to you. In other words, I demonstrate by the way I live that I'm saved. 
So someone says, you know, uh, what's the old thing? You all heard preachers say it. Preachers steal all these things from each other. So it's, you've heard this. You know, you may be the only gospel that someone ever reads, right? You know, yeah, they're going to see your life. They're never going to read the Bible, but they're going to look at you. And when they look at you, do they see Christ? What do they see when they see you? When they hear you talk? When they look at your values? When they see the way you handle things in your family? When they see your demeanor? When they see your attitude? Uh, you know, there's lots of mean, lots of sad, mean, bitter, ugly, um, uh, angry people in the world. Man, I was somewhere today, I won't say where. I wasn't trying to get a white apron, but I was at a place, and I, the, the person in front of me was just having such a bad time. I mean, fussing at the lady. She was just trying to do her job on the uh, cash red. You know, it was pitiful. I was kind of embarrassed. It's just this person was having a really bad day. I thought, oh, I hope they're not a member of First Baptist Church. <laughs> but anyway... It's just the meanness, the anger, the bitterness, and the, you know, it's all around. But when someone sees me, what do they see? What do they see? Do I live out my salvation? Is it in me? That's what Paul's saying here. Work it out. Now notice, I'm going to follow this through. He says, you work it out with obedience and godly fear. He says, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We don't like those words, but it's important. You know, I live for the Lord, but there is fear that I won't please God. Let me just uh, read this to you. For instance, about obedience. Paul says this about the Roman church. Now remember, Paul wrote the book of Romans to the Roman church, but the Roman church, he didn't start the church. The church was already going, but he wanted to go and be with them. But he says at the end of Romans, Romans 16, 19, I didn't put it in your notes, your report, the report of your obedience has reached everyone. Would the, would the most cynical, lost person you know look at your life and say, well, you know what, I don't agree with them, but they do obey God. They do obey their God. Uh, then we think about godly fear. We do this. We live out our salvation with godly fear. Uh, let me just read these two passages to you. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people. I'm going to persuade others. This is 2 Corinthians 5.11. It's that great chapter on reconciliation. God is in Christ reconciling the world. And He has made us ambassadors. We're supposed to go as representatives to talk about how people can be reconciled to God. All of, you know, 2 Corinthians 5 is a glory, but here's the point. Because I know the fear of God, I, because I know I will answer to God for the way I live, I want to persuade people. Persuade them. I, I love what some of our people have been doing. I've been challenging you know, our people on Sundays. When you go out and you witness to somebody, say the name of Jesus. Don't just go, okay, bless you, have a great day, and be warm and filled. Say the name. Say the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. The demons tremble and bow and beg not to be thrown in the pit. The name of Jesus is glorious. Say it. Don't be afraid to say it. 
What are they going to do? Fuss at you and call you a name? Who cares? To be named among a follower, to be named and name called as a follower of Jesus, to me, is an honor. So call me whatever you want. Jesus Christ saves, and He can save the most wicked sinners. Aren't we glad of that? 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh. Listen, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm growing in holiness because I fear God. I fear Christ. I, I fear the Lord. So Paul begins here by reminding these believers... Look, with humility, uh, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then he goes on. God is at work in the life of the believer. Verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. And the, the reading of it is a little awkward. It, it doesn't always read so easy for us. For, uh, to will and to good pleasure. So God's at work. Energeo. That's the next Greek word you get tonight. Energeo. God is at work. It's a word we get energy. We get the word energy from energeo. Uh, God is at work to display one's activity. In other words, God is working in us. Notice this. It's God who's working in you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is what God does to convict us by the Holy Spirit, to direct us, to discipline us, to train us. It is this energy. It is the inner geo. It is God's work in us. When Paul talks about spiritual gifts, I've given you the verse here, 1 Corinthians 12, 6. Uh, we had our brothers and sisters up here tonight uh, using their spiritual gifts. I'm trying to use mine tonight. We use them in various ways. There are varieties of effects when you come to when people when when the church uses the spirit their spiritual gifts. But he says the same God who energeo who works all things in all persons. It's the same power. It's the same work of God in all of us, though it shows itself in different ways because of the way God chooses to gift us. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond, beyond all that we ask or think, notice, according to the inner geo, the power that works within us. How glorious is the power of God. May I just take you on a journey here. God unites believers to Christ. You are in permanent union with Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, you take Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. That's why Paul said, you know, surely a Christian isn't going to be joined to a harlot. We take Jesus Christ wherever we go. We are now united to Christ. Christ is united to us. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Uh, this is important for us to know. God delivers believers from the reign of sin. Romans 6, 18. Having been freed from the sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That's the power of God that delivered us from our sin. By the way, you don't have to... Sin no longer... You do not have to be the slave to sin any longer. You now have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm trying to encourage you tonight. You know, there are people who come to me and say, Pastor, I don't think I can ever overcome this sin. What kind of talk is that? That's defeat talk. That's lie talk. The Holy Spirit of God will enable you to overcome your sin. However, if you keep now, if you keep playing with it, and then asking God to deliver you from it, that's a little different story. You've got to cut it off. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to kill it. You've got to deal with it. But you can have power over your sin. If you are still struggling with the same set of sinful activities 
that you've always struggled with, you must evaluate why am, what am I doing that keeps me in this sphere of slavery to my sin. Power of God's over. I'm, I'm going to chase a rabbit here. God gives believers the indwelling Holy Spirit. Do you not know your body's a temple, the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? And of course, I give you the classic of all, Ephesians 1. I've, I've printed it out here for you. What did Paul pray for the Ephesians church? The Ephesian church? I pray that the eyes of your heart will be opened so that you will know. Look at these things. You'll know what is the hope of His calling. Number two, you'll know what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. What you're going to get, your inheritance in heaven. The hope of your calling. And what is the, please look at the language, the surpassing greatness of His inner geo toward us who believe. There is power. There is power. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, my Christian friend, is the power of God that's in you. I live out my Christian life not in my own power. Okay, i got to get up today and try to be a Christian to somebody. What kind of self-talk is that? No, I stand up and I share the gospel in the power of God that He gives to me in my life. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might. So uh, then third, God, whoever's saying amen out in the hall, come on in. You don't need to stand out there. God gives the desire to the believer to please God. Look at the language of this. For it is God who is inner geo. He's working in you, but it's to will and to work for His good pleasure. You see, the, this is the point. God works to change my desires. When you got saved, God changed your desires. Okay, another. I'll give you another one of the old preacher lines that everybody steals. When you got saved, God changed your want to. He changed your want to. I want to do this now. I don't want to do this. And you know, it was before, I've said this repeatedly. It's amazing to me to see the power of God in a new believer's life. They haven't been saved 24 hours and you know what they start saying? I'm not going to go down there and drink anymore. I'm talking about when they get saved. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to commit adultery anymore. I'm not going to commit what I'm not going to covet. They start breaking the bonds. Who told them to do that? It's the power of God and the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, He changes your desires. So look at this. I've translated, I've given you the multiple uh, translations here so you can maybe read this a little bit better. The uh, New English translation says, For the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort for the sake of His good pleasure. See, that's this second part of the line. Verse 13, For it is God who works in you, for the one bringing forth in you, both the desire and the effort for the sake of His good pleasure is God. Another way, Williams uh, paraphrased, For it is God Himself who is at work in you to help you desire, to help you desire it as, uh, as will as it, as it is to do it. And then uh, NLT, the New Living Translation, another paraphrase. Just to, I'm trying to use, these are accurate to the original language, but they maybe give it a little bit smoother for us. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So I'm not left on my own. Oh, i got to please God. I better gin it up today. I better get a lot of sleep. I better take a vitamin. You know, I better, I better whatever it is. No, 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 no. It's because I am saved and this is God's work in me. Look, He changes your desires. Don't resist God's desire. Look, 
When the Lord puts it on your heart to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, do it. Are you hearing me? Do it. Don't put it off. Do it. When there's a desire that comes on you, this word to will, thalo is the Greek word. It is the idea of setting your mind intent on doing something. So I want to ask you tonight, where are your spiritual desires? Where are your spiritual desires, my dear friends? What is it that God is doing in you and what are those spiritual desires that are emerging in your life? We pretty much know our fleshly desires because they control us unless we kill them. But what are your spiritual desires? You know, and no matter how old you are, you still, if you know Jesus Christ, have spiritual desires. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.13, all who desire to live godly. See, that's a desire. I'm going to live like Jesus Christ. Well, mark it down. When you do, you're going to suffer in the world for it. But that's okay. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5.9. So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim. Here's our desire. I'm going to please God. All right. He gives us the power. We've already talked about that. Uh, I would just uh, point out Ephesians 3.16 that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner man. That's how where the power comes through the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3.10, we're going to look at it later in our study. Here's Paul's ambition, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. I, I truly mean this, friends. See, I think some of us get the idea that the power of God is this explosive thing like it pushed away the rock and in the resurrection and it's some power thing like the parting of the Red Sea. And it is, but the power of God is also what works in your heart and life in just a steady source of energy and strength that you do not have on your own. Think about the last time you were in one of those very hard places in your life. You lived off the power of God. You lived off the power of God. This is so important. So, we go on now, and he says, well, I've got a few more for you. Uh, Colossians 1, 3, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. You're strengthened with all power. Paul says, I labor. Now this is interesting. I labor, but I strive according to His power. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to live for Christ, but I'm going to labor. I'm going to do it striving according to His power. And then Peter, His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You never should pray and say, Lord, you left something out. Lord, you forgot something. I've got this issue in my life. You must have forgot it. You were busy. No. No, by the power of God, He's granted you everything as a believer you need for life and godliness. It's all there through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory. Five, believers live out their salvation without complaining or arguing. Oh, my favorite Greek word of all of them. Gongizmos. It even sounds like a bad word, doesn't it? Gongizmos. Are you a gongizmoser? That's not a Greek word. <laughs> Do everything without gongizmos. Oh, what is it? It's that murmuring, muttering, secret, griping, complaining. The children of Israel were masters at it. They were never happy, no matter what God did in their life. Surely there's not anyone in this room or listening to me who is a God-gizmos. Surely not. 
So if I'm going to live out my salvation, I can't be a complainer. That's why I was thinking about it today when the dear lady was having a meltdown at the counter. It's like, man, lady, you're way overblown on this. You need to calm down. I was just thinking after she did it, I was hoping, oh, by the way, I go to such and such a church. Can I pray for you? Saying, no, that's not going to work after you've displayed yourself in such silliness. Oh, the sadness of complaining in the church. Belly aching in the church. Complaining. 1 Peter 4.9 Be hospitable to one another without gongizmos. Do everything without arguing. Oh, it's the other side of it. We either complain or we argue. Now, ah, there you go. There you go. I came from a big family. There's an argument every day. It's always arguments. Always arguments. And some people have rationalized. Well, you know, in the church, people are just going to argue. Paul's making it clear here that if you're going to live out your salvation, you're not a complainer and you're not a debater. You don't argue. This is important for us to see. Dialogimos is the word. It's dialogue. It's disputing. Uh, James makes it clear. Have you made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil motives? And the way this translated, evil motives, it's the same word. Arguments. You see, you've judged other people, and so you've made your own... You, you have disputes because you've made a judgment about somebody. So, if we're going to live out our salvation without complaining and arguing, this is how we glorify God. I must go on, and you, you should be glad, because five, I could really plant here for a while and really spin around, but I'm not going to do it. Believers live out their salvation proving to the world that they are... Look at three things. Blameless, innocent, and beyond reproach. When we live out our salvation, we are saying to the world, I am a child of God, and listen, as a child of God, I am genomai. I have become, I have come into existence, and I am amemptos, free from fault or defect. There's, I don't have a fault. I'm not, a, I'm not with fault. I am innocent, akarios. That is, free from guile. It's unmixed. It's a word similar to being pure. It, I am amamos, without blemish. I'm unblameable. You see, that's the way I seek to live. That's why we keep short accounts in our relationships. That's why we think, make things right. Because now prove yourself is the word to become. Come into existence, he says here, that you may come into existence, show, reveal that you are blameless, innocent children of God above reproach. And where are you doing this? In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation or world. Look at this. Scolios. Anybody ever heard that word? Josh knows what that is. Scoliosis. Curvature of the spine. Scolios. It is this idea of something that is curved, crooked, perverse. Diastrepho. It's distorted. It's corrupt. It's perverted. That's the world. Curved, distorted, perverted, and corrupt. And we are God's people in this world, we're to live out our salvation in this world as blameless, innocent, beyond reproach children of God, as lights. Now, here we go to this, and I want to get to this. I've got about four minutes. As lights, foster is the word. Uh, phosphorus lights, you all have heard of phosphorus. It's the same word. Actually, the word light here is the word illuminator. Illuminator. 
So what did our Lord say? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. I'm asking all of you tonight, my brothers and sisters, are you letting your light shine? Or as we know in the Sermon on the Mount, you don't cover up a light. But have you covered up the light? Is there something covering up your light? You see, now that you're saved, you're a light bearer. You know, you don't do good when you try to go back to the dark because you take the light in there. It doesn't work anymore. You used to be in the dark. And may I read it to you? Because it is the blessed words of our Lord. When the Lord Jesus is talking about, you remember John, we're in John now, spent a lot of time there. Oh, the Gospel of John. Oh, all of God's Word. Remember, He is the light that's come into the world. Listen to these words from the Lord. John chapter 3 Beginning in verse number 18, He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 19. This is the judgment. Here's the judgment. Light, the light, has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light for fear, why? That his deeds will be exposed. Oh, man. So here you come in and you have, you're committed to have a good marriage. You're committed to your husband or wife. And you get around somebody who's living in adultery with a light. They don't like, what, they don't like your light. You, uh, you go out and you do your job and... You work next to somebody who's stealing from the company. You're trying to live the right kind of life. They don't like your light. When they have their celebrations, you used to go to them, but now you cannot go to those fellowships anymore, and they judge you for it because if you show up, you're awkward there. You don't even belong. You don't feel like you even belong there. Your light is not appreciated. Nevertheless, you can't stop your light. You're saved. It's permanent. You don't charge the batteries. You're the light. Did you see it here? It's important for us to read Paul's picture of this. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. How the world needs our light. The world needs our light. Boys and girls need our light. The most wicked people you know need our light. They need our light. You go there. God has placed you. See, this is what I'm trying to get to. God's put you in certain places because He wants you there because He needs your light there. He's put you there. Let your light shine. Oh, I'm trying to get this done. Believers, Hold out in as the light. Guess what we hold up? The Word of Life. That's what I'm going to talk about. What is the Word of Life, folks? It's the Gospel. We apeko. We hold out. It is uh, sometimes not translated. Holding fast the Word of Life. The New American says it's, it's the idea. Of you hold it out. You hold it out. 
This is the way. This is the word. This is the truth. This is the life. You tell them what you know from God's word. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul finishes by simply saying, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, you know, when the, when the burnt sacrifice was given, the Levitical priest poured out the drink offering on top of it. And the smoke ascended and it was a sweet aroma. Paul says, I'm like a drink offering. By the way, all of us are in our ministry. I'm being poured out as a drink offering in my job here at this church as a pastor. It's my job. On the sacrifice and service of your faith so that you might grow. That's my task. That's my assignment. I'm not supposed to be complaining about what I have to do and go through. My job is to be poured out. Your job is to be poured out for the sake of others. And so Paul rejoices in this and simply says, Rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Look, there is joy when you let your light shine, when you live out your salvation in the world. You'll sleep better if you'll talk to that person that God's put on your heart about Jesus Christ. Would you agree with me? If you go to bed and you didn't do it, you're going to toss and turn. I pray you have a sleepless night until you do what God tells you to do. How's that? No matter how much melatonin you may take. So live out your salvation as lights holding up the Word of God. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so are you. So the Lord said it and Paul picked it up. Let your light shine. I believe there's some songs about that, aren't there? Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of Your Word. Now we leave and go back to the world. A crooked, curved, distorted, perverted... It's not real. It's not reality as you made. It's not the good creation you made. It's been destroyed by the sinfulness and wicked, the crookedness and darkness of the world. But we, you have sent us, you've put the light in us, the light of God in us through the Holy Spirit of God. May we let our light shine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Put on your sunglasses and let the light shine. Have a great week. God bless you. And wear your apron too. Ken, get that white apron on.